You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Good evening and welcome in Vern's Hot Stove. Week number two of Royal Spring Training. The full team arriving. Monday the 1st. Full team workout. And let's get right to it with the top five biggest stories here. Two weeks into Royal Spring Training, the fifth largest story this week is once again the roster battles. Now, I know General Manager Dayton Moore said that there, well, weren't many roster battles, and they're not. It's bench spots. It's maybe the final spot in the rotation, final two spots in the bullpen. But here's an interesting question. When you're making up this 2021 Royals bench, who are you going to pinch run for? Who are you going to pinch hit for? And then you go from there. In my opinion, there's only two of the starting nine that you're going to pinch run for, maybe late in the game, Carlos Santana and Salvador Perez. And there's only two that you would pinch hit for late in the game. Whoever's manning second base and likely Michael A. Taylor in center field. In my opinion, you need a run option. Nick Heath is the name that jumps to the forefront, but the question with Nick Heath is, do you want to take away at-bats? Every day at-bats that he could possibly get in AAA. The answer, the questions that you and I may have about Nick Heath or these bench spots obviously will be answered. Prior to the start of the season, if Nick Heath does indeed make this 26-man roster, I think that speaks uh, to what the organization thinks of him as far as, is he just a base runner? If they bring him to the big leagues on opening day, I think they respond with a resounding yes. The fourth largest story this week, Wade Davis and Greg Holland. I wish you had the opportunity to sit in on that Zoom meeting as they both reflected on the run to the pennant in 2014 and the championship of 2015. But the reason why I say that the two future Royal Hall of Fame relievers are the fourth biggest story of the week at Royal Spring Training is because who's going to be the eighth and ninth inning guys? Who are going to be those anchors at the back end of the bullpen? You would hope that Greg Holland is that guy in the ninth inning. Even if he falls off at some point over the course of 162, who's the heir apparent? Who else can take the ball in the ninth inning facing the middle of the opponent's lineup with fans in the stands in a raucous road environment and stare down the opposition? Josh Stalmont has the ability. We'll see when and if he gets the opportunity. And we'll see who is the closer for this team at the end of the season. You know, Wade Davis and the role that he played in 2014 as that eighth inning robot. Could he fill that role? Sure, possibly. Jesse Hahn, though, is the name that comes to the forefront of my mind. Jesse Hahn would be the guy setting up a Greg Holland or whoever is placed in the ninth inning. Jesse Hahn has uh, me quite intrigued. So is Wade Davis the old Wade Davis, or does Jesse Hahn hold down that role in the eighth inning? Is Greg Holland the old Greg Holland, or does Josh Stalmont hold it down in that ninth inning? 
Can Scott Barlow do it again? Make it three straight seasons of sensational stuff out of the bullpen. Kyle Zimmer, Tyler Zuber, are they classic relievers where they're up and down and up and down, or are they something more? That's the fourth biggest storyline this week in Surprise, Arizona. The third largest story at Royal Spring Training, I go back to Salvador Perez. His conversation with uh, us in the media back on Monday got me as excited for this 2021 Royals campaign as any conversation I've had with uh, coaching staff, front office, player, fan, personnel, throw it all out the window. Salvador Perez, his excitement level for the messages sent by Dayton Moore, by John Sherman, by Mike Matheny, and by the winners that now reside inside that clubhouse. The attitude showcased, and you'll hear some of Salvador Perez coming up a little bit later in the show. The drive of the six-time All-Star, the five-time Gold Glover, the drive, dedication, and commitment showcase this offseason from Salvador Perez has me as excited as I've been all offseason and has me really considering the fact that Salvador Perez is still underrated, not just nationally, but even here in Kansas City. I'll explain coming up in a moment. The second largest story this week at Royal Spring Training is a dovetail from number three, leadership. The leadership of Salvador Perez, of Mike Matheny, of Carlos Santana, who hasn't even been in camp Uh, full squad camp for a week, and he's already pulling hitters aside, helping them grow as players, as men, as ball ball players, as, as hitters, as defenders. The leadership in this Royals camp is apparent. But once again, the biggest story this week is the young pitching. Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, the young man we spoke with last week in Jackson Coar, and the young man that joins us on the phone right now, former Royals first-round pick, the 6'6 lefty Daniel Lynch joining us here on Vern's Hot Stove. Daniel, thank you very much for the time tonight. Uh, how much fun are you having two weeks into camp? Uh, it's been great so far. Um, you know, it's nice getting to know all the guys. It's nice that, that you kind of got to meet them and get that first-year experience out of the way and come back this year. Uh, I feel a little bit more comfortable, um, and I'm having a great time so far. Skip said you're pitching with a little bit of an edge this spring. Do you agree? <laughs> um, I guess so. It's nothing. It's nothing uh, intentional. I think it's more just more confidence. Like I said, more comfortability. You know, I feel like I belong. I don't feel like I'm the, the new guy anymore. I, I really don't see myself as you know less than any of these guys and. So I just I think it's just more of feeling of belonging, and that probably just comes comes with that. Daniel, do you, do you enjoy the attention that comes with being the guy on the mound, with being the center of attention each and every time you're on the field? Uh, I don't really think about it to be honest with you. I uh, I get pretty focused in on the catcher and and who I'm trying to get out. So you kind of lose track of the fact that there's people watching you. Um, but I like to be in control of the game. So, you know, I guess a little less than people just like being the center of attention. I do enjoy being in control. I'm curious about last season. Uh, when on the calendar of 2020 
When on the calendar last year did you feel like you were at your best? At, at, at what point of that strange 2020 did you feel as dialed in as you did all season? Uh, I'd say probably going into early August, um, just getting acclimated, and then I, I got a chance to work on some things, and um, I think I feel like I really hit a stride, and then it was really, really consistent throughout the whole rest of that season, and then we did a little uh, a fall camp type thing, and I stayed really good through that. Um, and so I felt, I felt like the beginning of August was when, and maybe the end of July, but that was kind of when things really started to click. So when, when you're at your best, obviously consistency is key, but, but paint that picture further consistent with what, what, what pitch felt as good as ever? Well, the changeup felt as good as ever. I mean, that was one that was like really considered my fourth pitch, um, Kind of, you know, if you were to do a scouting report, it would probably be my fourth pitch. And I sort of brought it up to being, you know, definitely my third pitch. But some days it was like could have been my second pitch. And I felt like that was a huge um, a huge thing for the, like, just progress as far as they were huge on me trying to, to throw that more. And I felt like the fall camp or the, um, the alt site was a good opportunity because there weren't, you know, real results. And then it felt like it really just built to getting really, really consistent. You're right in that they weren't real results, but those were real big league hitters standing in the box against you. Does any at-bat stand out, whether it's from spring training or that alternate site where you went, oh, oh, oh my stuff my stuff will play at the big league level? Um, maybe not a particular hitter, but I definitely felt like it was good to, to get, you know, when Dozier came back and uh, I think Bubba was down, Solera was down, just to get feedback from those guys about, in particular, the changeup is just for them to say, "Yeah, you can definitely throw that pitch. That's a good pitch." And and then when Salvi came back from um, just to get a few innings before he went back up, it was good to get feedback from him um, just on what he thought and what he thought I could work on and things like that. Um, and so that that was one in particular I remember where he took the time to like take me aside and after my outing and kind of give me a little breakdown, which was which was great. Well, speaking of Salvi, he he raved about you earlier this week. I was going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. I mean, that's that, that's some high. Pre- I mean, th- this guy caught Mariano Rivera's final All Star game. He's 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 a six time All Star, five time Gold Glover. What does it mean when he says this kid's got it? I love his attitude and his demeanor on the mound. Well, I mean, it's it's really cool to hear that. It's just cool to spend time around him. Um, I was impressed from the first day I got here with his leadership. You know, I've never really been in, you know, a real clubhouse. You know, you get college and high school and you're still kind of a kid. And then to get into a clubhouse and really see what a true leader on a, on a big league, you know, on a, on a professional sports team looks like, I thought he, I thought he was a, you know, it was pretty, pretty easy to see um, what kind of leader he was from the beginning. Um, and just the fact that he's, you know, has all, all those accolades and all this time. And he took time to, you know, pull me aside after I threw or to talk to me, you know, he's a, it's pretty special to have. When he's noticing um, your approach on the mound, Mike Matheny's saying that you are um, completely different. Um, one year removed from spring training a season ago, you, you talk about being comfortable and being more confident when you're standing on the mound, uh, can can you feel yourself projecting that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like I said before. It's not on purpose, but I think it's just more of like I'm not, I'm not trying to do too much. I'm not trying to be more than I can be. I think that was my issue. I was never scared, or I don't think I was ever scared, or I think the the maybe what people thought I could grow in was I tried to do too much. I tried to be more than who I was, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably I've just gotten really comfortable in who I am as a pitcher and knowing my strengths and and doing that. Um, you know, and just attacking with what I know works and not, you know, not trying to throw as hard as I can and every time. And, and so I think that's what I feel more is, is there's just a, a comfortability and a, um, just a confidence in who I am. I would imagine, yeah. I mean, being a, a highly touted prospect, you get around the big leaguers last spring, you want to prove to everyone that you belong where it's actually the fact of they already believe you belong. That's why they brought you in. Yeah, exactly. So when you watch Brady Singer, Chris Bubich last season in a big league game, when, when you're watching them on, on television, what about their performances last year impressed you most? Um, well, Brady for sure was when we, we were actually all hanging out and we got wind and he had a no hitter and it was hard for us to watch games because they were blacked out in Kansas city. Um, but we uh, pulled it up on somehow pulled it up on someone's phone and watched him take the no no into the eighth, and I think that's just a really cool moment. Just being you know good friends with him and all of us supporting him. And um, for Bo- for Bubich, I mean, I actually we drove home together the day he got called up, and he um, we pulled into the garage and he kind of told me and gave him a hug and was so excited for him. So that was a moment that I remember, not necessarily particularly in a game, but it, it was a cool moment that the day he got called up. Um, or knew he was going to start against the White Sox. Um, we rode home together. Did did their success make the big leagues feel closer for you? Um, that's a hard one. To, I mean, I think I think it, it felt really close for everybody because we were in Kansas City. It's right. pretty unique. I mean, you're not you're you're 15 minutes from Coffin Stadium pitching. You're just not pitching in Coffin Stadium. Um, and so I mean, I think to see that those guys got an opportunity was really great. And they both, you know, threw the ball well. Um, but I don't think it, you know, I think, I think it's one of those things, at least for me, that it's been such a dream that until it gets here, it doesn't, it, it still feels, you know, sort of far away. Has, has the, throughout your career, whether it's collegiate or in the pros, has it been easy to remain focused on yourself and not compare yourself to others as case in point with those two last season to not look internally and go, well, what am I doing wrong rather than, Hey, congratulations to them. And I'll be behind them soon enough. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like getting drafted with a, a bunch of really good guys and then becoming quickly becoming really good friends with them is helpful because you know it's not necessarily it's, it's a healthy competition it's not like it's not like I don't want success for other guys um and so that makes it easy and I mean I, I work really hard not to compare myself because it's everyone's journey is different um and you know the Royals <laughs> the Royals have been very adamant about you know don't compare yourself because your journey is going to be different and um so I think all those elements, like being friends, everyone being really good, um, kind of makes it easier to stay in your own lane and not compare yourself to others. 
Royals top prospect, the big lefty, Daniel Lynch. Just a couple more questions. Uh, what has the team told you about their hopes for you this season? Um, to be honest, there hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of that specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things where, <laughs> as, you know, in my position, I kind of go up, see what's on the schedule for the day, and I do it, and I do it the best I can. And, you know, I think you get, it's really easy to get caught up in, oh, well, what, what does this mean or what are they going to do here or here? But if you just kind of stay, stay with what you're doing and, and do it to the best you can, I think that's the best way to have success. And similar to a question I asked moments ago, but when you see the amount of quality starting pitching in camp with you right now, is it easy to avoid being disheartened by what appears to be a lack of holes in that rotation. I mean, I think it's a choice to see it that way. Um, I think you can, you know, get disheartened if you see it that way, but it's a choice to be like, to, to go in and say, I'm just going to do the best that I can. And I can't really control what decisions they make. And if, you know, and I think it's good that we have a lot of good guys, because that's what makes you have a good team. But um, like I said, it's a choice to see it that way. Um, and it's also a choice to go out and, do the best you can every day and work hard and, you know, try to compete. That's the perfect response. That's the perfect attitude. Uh, are you aware? I'm not, I'm not sure how uh, dialed in you are to all the social media trash, um, but, man, right now Royals fans are as excited about this team as they've been in nearly a half decade and your name is is at the center of a lot of that excitement. Are, are you aware of the growing buzz around Kansas City, around this organization, and the excitement uh, for 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 you? To be quite honest, um, to be honest with you, I try to stay away from that stuff. Um, you know, my grandma and <laughs> some people will send me some links and stuff and say, "Hey, the Royals are getting some good press, or you're getting some good press, or whatever." Um, but honestly, you know, it's one of those things where if I need to read something good about myself to feel good about myself, and that's, you know, I, I don't really feel like that's the right way to go about things. I think I, I've I really liked what I've read about the team and that, you know, the moves we've made have obviously been really good and really promising. But I, I kind of try to stay away from the stuff that's about me in general. Um, just like I said, so I, you know, I want to feel good about myself regardless. So That's awesome. Yeah. Let, let Grandma sift through all that uh, you know she'll find the good <laughs> exactly. ones and uh just keep making her proud uh daniel thank you very much for the time tonight keep up the good work we can't wait to see you at kaufman yeah i appreciate it thank you all right there you go daniel yeah. lynch joining us here on Vern's hot stove when we get back we uh, dissect the word buzz You've heard it a lot pertaining to this 2021 spring training. We dissect the word buzz and we talk with the second baseman, Nikki Lopez, after this. All right, back with you. Uh, Vern's Hot Stove each and every Thursday night, 6 until 7 o'clock on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. Look, over the years, I've happily admitted that I am a baseball nerd. Most of us in the baseball media are nerds. And one of my nerdy things is, you know, keywords or themes for the season, themes for stretches 
over the course of 162 games. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Mike Matheny, and he was searching for the words to describe the feeling around Royal Spring Training. And he said, you know, I there's just a buzz. And I like that. The nerd in me liked that. Because I remember the buzz from years previous. The buzz in 13 and 14, 15 and 16. So I latched on to that. I, I, I like that word. That's a good word, buzz. Good teams have a, have a buzz about them. So then I asked the skipper to expand, and, and he used the word again. And then the next day, Brady Singer was talking with the media, and I asked him about the buzz. And then he repeated the word. And then it seemed to me as if the word got out in that clubhouse that us nerds in the media were really in love with the word buzz. Now, I take blame for it. I was the one really driving it into every single press conference that we were allowed. Because remember, we're not in the clubhouse this season, just like we weren't in the clubhouse last year. So you can't really diagnose when these guys are having fun with you. I saw Hunter Dozier and Brad Keller. They used the word buzz very early in their press conferences this week. I'm starting to think that they're just messing with me. Uh, Nikki Lopez, Royal second baseman, joins us now on Burns Hot Stove. Uh, Nikki, are, are you and the guys in the clubhouse having fun with the word buzz? Are you now picking on nerds like me that, that love the idea of a different kind of buzz floating around Royals camp? There's definitely a uh, there is definitely a buzz around camp, um, a high high source of energy. Um, definitely different than the the past years that I've been in camp. Um, so if we want to word it, if we want to use that word buzz, there is definitely a different buzz around camp. I like it. Uh, Nikki's staying with that, c- comparing it to previous camps. Well, in, in spring training pre-pandemic. So early last year and, and, and the, the two years previous, how much of it was fun? Like what percentage is stuff that is fun? What percentage is stuff where you're like, okay, this is work. How would you divvy out the percentages pre-pandemic? Yeah, so, pre, so pre-pandemic was a little bit different because I was, it was a blast for me because, you know, I'm getting my feet wet in a big league clubhouse. I'm I'm getting used to the guys. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm playing obviously with you know Salvi and Witt and Gordo and learning a lot. So I'm I'm trying to have as much fun as possible. But but it but I at, at a certain point though it was it was it was work. It was I had to put the work in and I had to like kind of show them, you know like um, who I was and kind of make a name for myself and. Um, so it, it was a blast, but right now I think is the most fun that I've been having um, as, as, a, as a Kansas City Royal and um, just the acquisitions we made and the people that, you know, the pieces we're putting together and the team that's coming together. Um, so back to that word buzz, it's, it's, there's a different, different, different buzz and different um, excitement around camp right now, and you can, you can see it through, uh, you know, with the pitchers, catchers, uh, you know, position players. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be a Royal right now. See, when the expectations are raised like they are this season, you talk about the tremendous players that this organization has brought in. I'm 
maybe not surprised. Um, I'm impressed that you're saying this is as much fun as you've had because, man, when expectations are about winning, that feels like it's a little bit more uh, buttoned up where guys might be a little tight in spring training. You're saying that's not the case. No, I, I, I think it's a little bit looser. Um, you know, there's an expectation, and I think expectations are what drive success. Um, I think with any successful human being that you should have expectations. Do we, do we hold each other to expectations? Absolutely. Do we expect that we're, we're going to be in the, in the playoffs? But with that, you know, it's, it's exciting and it, and, it, and it creates a, you know, a blood flow where um, you're kind of playing loose and you're kind of playing for each other and you're kind of... Sure. Nikki Lopez, Royals second baseman, joining us here on uh, Vern's Hot Stove. Can we check with his phone real quick? Uh, a little bit of a connection issue is um, we'll, we'll get things squared away with Nikki Lopez coming up in just moments. Man, to hear that the clubhouse is as loose as it's been in years is a, in my opinion, direct reflection of leadership, leadership that Salvador Perez and, and Whit Merrifield and Carlos Santana show. Uh, we'll, we'll do the work. We've never had an issue with doing the work. We've always put in the work. Now the work that we're putting in is going to be rewarded because the talent around us, the talent on the mound uh, is now going to be able to go out there and, and do what we've all dreamt of doing. And it's not just winning in the regular season, it's winning in October. And that obviously is the greater goal as Royal second baseman Nikki Lopez rejoins us on Vern's Hot Stove. Uh, we'll get back to the baseball aspect of things in just a moment. But Nikki, I've, I've never asked you this. I've been fascinated by it over the past few years, but uh, you're still just 25. You're very early in your career. And yet you give up a lot of your time to others special olympics operation breakthrough you visit with those in the hospital uh, where, where does your charitable sensibilities where, where, where does that come from absolutely yeah it's something that i've always i've always wanted to do and it, i've always cherished and um just creating relationships with others um getting closer with others um ever since i was in high school um you know, I was I was in this. It was called the Adaptive PE program, where I was actually it was a gym class, but I wasn't I wasn't a um, a student. I wasn't working like working out, doing any gym like activities. I was actually helping um, you know uh, special needs uh, students and you know those just trying to give back and you know playing sports with them, swimming with them, um, just teaching them and being a positive role model. So it started with that. Obviously, I'm I'm very fortunate enough to have. Um, two amazing parents who've always been there for me and um, two two amazing brothers as well older brothers that have kind of laid the foundation so it's easier to follow it's easy to follow them in their footsteps um, but yeah now I've, I'm I'm I started a uh, it's called Nikki's number ones it's just kind of being a positive role model in Kansas City um, I've hosted zoom calls obviously with the um, Special Olympics Kansas City um, operation breakthrough the Challenger program at the YMCA of Kansas City. Um, 
and the King, the King uh, baseball, baseball team as well in Kansas City. So just trying to give back, um, trying to give kids in the community a positive role model to look up to and someone they can go to. Nikki Lopez is our guest. Uh, to, to be this early in your career and already using baseball, um, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had this offseason with your new teammate, Michael A. Taylor, who you know loves the game but is quick to let you know that baseball doesn't define who I am as a person. So I guess I'll, I'll turn that to you. What does baseball mean to you? What, what do you love about the game? Florida. That's how deep the questions get on Vern's hot stove. I think we lost the connection there with Nikki Lopez. We will uh, try to get back with them. I was just about, I was really, you, you could see me on my Phil Donahue, Oprah Winfrey there. I was really starting to zero in, really get to, um, I can't remember the main character's name on Almost Famous, but the, the, the what do you love about music? You got to think about this, and, and there's still a lot to get to with Nikki Lopez, but still fighting for every day at bats to invest so much at such a young age um, in his community uh, is, is unique. I've been around this organization for almost uh, nine years. I can't think of too many young men that uh, fairly quickly after making their debut, they dive headfirst into the community and into philanthropic adventures. Um, Nikki, I'll, I'll pose the, the same question. What does uh, baseball mean to you? I'm sure it doesn't define you as a person, but what is it about the game that you love most? Yeah, ever since I was uh, a young kid, I, I've always dreamed of being a Major League Baseball player. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have aspirations of being, you know, doctors, firefighters, whatever that is, but I've always wanted to be a, a Major League Baseball player. And to be able to live out the dream is something very special, and it's something that I've always um you know had a knack for and always wanted to pursue and um to be able to play at the highest level um in the world is it, it means so much to me um but now you know with the charitable work that i do and stuff like that it's i, I was gifted a platform um that is that is bigger than me bigger than baseball bigger than bigger than um you know everyone around me but if i can just help others um that are in need that's something that i'm interested in doing Speaking of playing at the highest level, you feel like you were playing gold glove defense last season? <laughs> um, I, I, I do. I, I, hold my, I hold my defense to a very high standard. Um, I expect so much out of myself when it comes to that side. Um, I always have been. I, I'm fortunate enough to go to Creighton and um, work under Coach Ed's service. Um, he's taught me a lot and uh, kind of carried it over and, um, that's something I, I, I take it, uh, advantage of, but I'm, again, I'm now taking the field, um, coming April and we have gold glovers spat, uh, splattered all around the infield and outfield. Um, I think we have a lot of guys that can go get the ball. I think a lot, uh, we can have a lot of guys that, uh, that can wear some gold, uh, at the end of the year. Going back to last year and that defense. When you would find yourself in an offensive rut, when things aren't going your way offensively, how difficult, if at all, was it to not let that affect your defense? 
Yeah, that's that's something that I um, I'm actually I'm pretty good at not carrying it over into you know the defensive side. There's two different sides of baseball. There's an offense, obviously, and a defensive side. Um, you know, and and people are counting on you, um, not only on the offensive side but on the defensive side. And you you got to look at it. You know, when you're hitting, it's just you know you're one person. You're in the box. Um, you know, you versus the pitcher. But when you're on defense, you know the pitcher's counting on you. The, your other um, eight guys in the field are counting on you, and you got to you got to you got to deliver. And your ball's going to be hit to you, and you got to know where where it goes, and you got to make a play for your guy on the mound who's uh, who's grinding as much as you are. So um, I know there's two sides of the baseball, but um, you know I, I take pride in playing defense at a very high level. Well, over on the offensive side, what what kind of goals have you set for yourself offensively? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously the first two years, um, you know, first year and this last year, um, you know, there's, there were some growing pains and there were some, there was some stuff that I have to get through and, um, you know, each and every day I'm getting through it and, um, I'm learning a lot. And, um, you know, I got, I got, I got slapped in the, slapped in the mouth pretty good, but, um, you know, that's baseball and that's something that you have to get through where obviously I'm, I'm competing against the top pitchers in the league or in the, in the world. And, um, it's something that I'm just going to have to fight through and, and get, and get better at. Um, but I've, I've worked my tail off all off season. Um, I think I started hitting in October, um, you know, flew to California to see some people. And then now I was working with, with a guy out here in, in Scottsdale the whole off season. And then now I'm working with Terry and, and, and Mage, um, each and every day. And, you know, just getting getting everything buttoned up, getting everything right, and getting everything, um, you know, a little less movement, a little more compact, and getting back to my old ways like I did in the uh, minor league. So that's that's something I'm trying to do. And um, you know, wherever I am in the lineup, I'm gonna I'm gonna compete my tail off, and I'm gonna do whatever is best for the team, whether it's laying down a bunt, whether it's um, moving a guy over, whether that's hitting that three three four hole or driving a guy in. I'm gonna I'm gonna compete my tail off, and I'm gonna um, you know help this team win because. You know, the the future is super bright, and I think the future starts now. Nikki Lopez, Royal second baseman, is our guest on Vern's Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. I'm sure I've uh, said it before, uh, but a, a lot of media people say it. Uh, oh, you just slap the ball to all fields. Um, and spraying the ball to all fields off of big league hitters, or uh, big league pitchers, a lot easier said than done, isn't it? Yes. Um, and, you know, I always laugh at the, you know, people who are very, uh, you know, you should do this, you should do that. And I kind of get a kick out of it because, you know, those guys aren't facing, you know, 98 right. mile per hour sinkers. They're, right. they're watching on TV. So, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but, you know, it's easier said than done, but it's, but it's true though. I, you know, simplifying the game, um, just slapping the ball around. I'm trying to get on bases any way I can is, is, is definitely something I'm interested in and definitely something I need to do to, to help this team win. And um, I'm looking to do that with the off season that I put into and the, um, you know, the stuff I'm learning now in, in spring training. I think, I think we have uh, a good thing going. It takes a lot of selflessness and uh, putting ego aside to be a team first hitter, uh, that's something that I, I think a lot of fans don't quite understand. It's it's only one man in that box, and that one man's trying to make as much of an impact on the game as he possibly can. It uh, to me, it takes quite the maturation to understand. Hey, all I need to do is just this little thing 
to keep the line moving and bring the next guy to the dish. Absolutely. Yeah. And, that, and that's something that, you know, I, I believe that that is the type of the hitter that I'm going to be in the, in the big leagues. And that's the, that's one of the most important things to do is just to kind of realize who you are as a, as a hitter and, and note and see your, see yourself um, and visualize who you are as a hitter and, and kind of put it, put it to work. And I think I'm going to be a team first guy. Obviously everyone's a team first guy, but I'm not going to hit, you know, home runs like Solaire right. or, uh, you know, drive the ball like that. I got. I got to get on base. I got to move the runners. I got to, uh, you know, get on base for you know Wit, Mondi, um, whoever's hitting up on the top of the order, and that's that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to play very good defense, and I'm going to, uh, and we're going to pick up the ball. And it's it's something that it's a recipe that you're going to have to have guys like that in, in a lineup. And um, you know, obviously, my my role in a lineup is different than Solaire's, different than Salvi's, different than than Dozier's, but. That's that's how you make a team, and that's how you make a lineup. No doubt, uh, Nikki. Any, any names I need to keep an eye out for uh, this spring? Any any pitchers grabbing your attention that maybe you weren't uh, hip to prior? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you guys have been obviously Singer cracked cracked in, and uh, Bubich Bubich did too. Um, but I think you guys should need to keep an eye on Lynch. Um, I was fortunate enough to stand in the box today with him. And uh, it looked pretty looked pretty good. So um, that's that's a guy we keep an eye on. But these, all the pitchers right now in in camp are, you know, are very very locked in um, business business like, and um, you know they're locked in. They're they're throwing hard. They're everything's moving, and you know they're filling up the zone. So I would be very very uh, excited for for our pitching staff because um, that's what's going to fuel us this year. Um, and then obviously you know Bobby Witt. Um, that guy, that kid's a freak, and he's gonna he's gonna play all over the diamond too, which is which is uh, very good. What's the freakiest thing he's done? <laughs> I mean, the freakiest thing I saw was, uh, I mean, last year during during um, quarantine camp or summer camp, yeah. whatever they called it, um, the kid just he couldn't get out, and he's facing he's facing some big arms, and he couldn't get out. So, but that's one thing he's, he was he was enjoying it, and he was just having the time of his life, which is something that. I think a lot of people take for granted um, and we're, we're playing a game and our job is just to play a game and, and to play in front of fans and to, uh, you know, bring some enjoyment to to everyone. But um, that's something that I think that he does. Yeah. It's easy to look like you're having fun when you can take Duffy opposite field on the first pitch. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Nikki, thank you very much for the time, man. We can't wait to see you guys uh, this season. Uh, best of health, best of luck, and we'll see you soon. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. There you go. All right, man. Appreciate it. There you go. Nikki Lopez Royals, second baseman, joining us here on 610 Sports Radio. Mike Matheny, Salvador Perez, Carlos Santana, and Barry Bonds. They all belong together. I'll explain next. Vern's Hot Stove on 610 Sports Radio each and every Thursday, 6 until 7 o'clock, 610 Sports Radio and the radio.com app. I mentioned earlier this week on Bink at Night how I, I I feel as if Salvador Perez and his drive, his ability, his leadership is undervalued nationally and locally. Yes, even Royals fans, I, I do feel as if we undervalue Salvador Perez, and it's really been building over the past few weeks since spring training has started. Listen to Mike Matheny talk about the leadership of 
Salvador Perez. Salvi's my my go-to example. You throw him in the cage at eight o'clock in the morning, and and he's verbally telling them, "You're going to have to outwork me to take my job," and it's not your time yet. And then he physically outworks them, and proves it. And that's him every day taking. Uh, this is my job, and I'm I'm. I'm going to keep pushing. When you've got your very best players that are leading like that, that are, are putting that example out there, then it creates that competition that makes everybody better. It makes Salvi better, and it makes everybody else watching. And, you know, I point a finger at, at Royals fans saying that, uh, that you or we undervalue Salvador Perez. Maybe this is just an eye-opening moment that I need to own myself. You know, over the course of last season's 60-game stretch, we were all marveling at what Salvi was able to do. Positive COVID test, undeterred, rakes when he returns. Something wrong with his eye, you know, blurred vision at times, undeterred, rakes. And just consistently gets better offensively, consistently gets better defensively. That's what great players do. And Salvador Perez, only 30 years of age, still has another two, maybe three years of his prime left. So I don't know if I'm going to be throwing the bouquets of surprise the way of Salvi anymore. This is one of the truly great players at one of the most unheralded positions in the game. So of course he's getting better. Of course I expect his on-base percentage to go up this year. Picking the brain of Carlos Santana, admitting to me a few weeks ago that, yeah, I'm I'm becoming more patient. I'm a smarter hitter today than I've ever been at any point of my career. The way that he drives his teammates, the way that he leads his teammates, I think that often gets clouded by his gregarious personality his million-dollar smile, uh, the Salvi splash, and all the antics that you see on television. Many times, fans and media alike, you don't get to see what makes the guy great, the work that he's putting in in the offseason, the work that he puts in when the cameras aren't around, when the coaches and teammates aren't around. I listened to an interview with the greatest player of our generation, Barry Bonds. And, and we, we can have a different discussion about Barry Bonds at a later time. You can't knock the ability. He sat down with Mets outfielder Dominic Smith and had this to say about on-base percentage and the leadership that a high on-base percentage showcases. The greatness that is reflected in a high on-base percentage. Here's Dominic Smith interviewing Barry Bonds on MLB Network. Which record do you think will never be broken again? Seven MVPs, 762 career home runs, single-season home run record, which is 73, 688 intentional walks, single-season then slugging percentage, which was at 863, or your single season on base percentage record, which was at 609. On base percentage. Ain't nobody that on base percentage. 
I agree. And that's I my agree. number one thing about hitting is if your on base percentage is high, everything else is high. Yes. Take that. Everything walk. is gonna be man. You know, that's... They ask me all the time. My friends say, people always say, what kind of teammates were I? Said I, I was a good team. I may not have been a personal person in the locker room, but on the on the field, I was a great teammate. Why? I could have swung at a lot of those balls that I took pitches on yeah. for my teammate because I was yeah. also had my kid, my son was there with me all the time, educating him, going, it's not about me all the time. Yeah, exactly. I could have swung at some of those 2-1 close pitches that were off the plate and done something, but that's not my job. My job is to get your butt on base if that's your job, and then let, my time will come, you know? Right. So on base percentage, that's going to be hard to do unless you want to yeah. walk. And yeah. not too many guys like that walking category. But I like stealing bases. I love stealing bases. because. And look, Salvi's not going to steal bases, but the point that Barry makes of guys don't like taking walks. Salvador Perez didn't like taking walks when he was 23, 25, 27. But now at the age of 30, maturation, understanding how the opponents are trying to get you out. Your time will come, as Bonds said. The tutelage now and the, the wisdom being able to be passed down from a and back and forth between a Carlos Santana and Salvador Perez. I'm telling you, watch out for that combination this year. I'm expecting um, a career. I mean, if health can stay on the side of Salvador Perez, I would expect the best season of his career. And what do you know, his contract's up after this year. So uh, Dayton and Mr. Sherman, you better get ready to pay up because that number 13 will better not play in another jersey. Jay Binkley only wears one jersey. That's a Chiefs jersey. He's coming up next.